This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. And when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after the, he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who's called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, and Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take that as my text this morning from John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. And if you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1077. John's Gospel, chapter 20, and beginning at verse 19. And this morning I want to talk about the blessing that is ours, not because we've seen, but because we believe. The blessing that is ours, not because we've seen, but because we believe. Now, we're all familiar with the saying, seeing is believing. But that isn't always true. Indeed, many people in Jesus' day heard Jesus and saw with their own eyes the signs and wonders that he performed. But not everyone who experienced that believed. And then in our text, Jesus says something to Thomas that might seem even contrary to our better judgment. Indeed, in verse 29, he says to Thomas, Thomas, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That'd be us. 
Indeed, John tells us in our text that on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, that is what we would think of as the evening of that first Easter Sunday, the day on which Jesus appeared alive after his death upon the cross, we're told that on the first day of the week, in the evening of that day, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, the Jews here referring in this instance uh, to the leaders of the Jewish religious establishment who had arrested Jesus and had orchestrated his death on the cross. And the disciples were afraid of them because they thought maybe those same leaders might want to round them up and deal with them accordingly. But the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. It doesn't say he knocked on the door and they let him in. He just was there. And he gave the common Hebrew or Aramaic greeting, Shalom, peace be with you. The New Living Translation puts it, suddenly Jesus was standing among them, which suggests perhaps something of the unique properties of Jesus' resurrection body. Which kind of resurrection body we're told in the scripture that we as believers will also experience and have on the day of Christ's return. In fact, someone has written as Christians, we not only believe in the immortality of the soul. In fact, if you're paying attention to the creed, either the Apostles, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, you'll notice that we don't just talk about the immortality of the soul. In fact, I don't know that the immortality of the soul is mentioned in either of the major creeds. But the resurrection of the body is. And so as Christians, we not only believe in the immortality of the soul, but we also believe in the resurrection of the body. And not just the resurrection of his body, the resurrection of our bodies. And so Paul wrote to the Philippians when he was in jail facing death himself, he sought to encourage them. And he said, our citizenship, you know, our real citizenship is not here. We're aliens and strangers in the world, as the apostles put it in other places. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our mortal bodies to be like His glorious body, by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Or as Paul puts it writing to the Romans, he's the first fruits of what will follow after. He's the prototype and will be just like that. And so on the evening of that first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and, and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, verse 20, he showed them his hands and his side. These identifying qualities. And then the disciples were glad, John says, when they saw the Lord. Well, it's him, isn't it? In fact, Luke in his gospel provides an even more expanded report of what had happened. In Luke chapter 24 and beginning at verse 36, we read, And as they were talking, Jesus himself all of a sudden stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, Luke says, and thought they were seeing a spirit that is a ghost. 
And Jesus said to them, why are, why, are you, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise? Well, they were seeing, but doubting. And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me <laughs> and see, for a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, Luke says, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still disbelieved for joy, like, I can't believe it. <laughs> they were marveling. And he said to them, well, do you have anything here to eat? <laughs> and they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it. And he ate it before them. Not the sort of thing a ghost would do. So, unique properties indeed. He appears without use of the door, and yet, when you give him something to eat, he eats it, and it doesn't just fall through his mouth and out past his throat under the floor. It goes into his body. But John continues in, in our text, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. I think they were needing a lot of peace. He says, peace be with you a lot in our text. And then John presents his version of what is commonly referred to as Jesus' great commission. Verse 21, and as he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He sent me, now I'm sending you. Verse 22, and then he, when he said this, he, he breathed on them. In fact, when I was ordained priest, the bishop at one point in the service took my head in his hands and he breathed on my forehead. Veni Spiritus, come Holy Spirit. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that even here, references made to the Holy Trinity. Did you notice that? In fact, the Holy Trinity is everywhere if you have eyes to see it. And here it is. Indeed, Jesus says that God the Father sent him, the Son, into the world on mission. And even now, Jesus, the Son, is sending his disciples into the world on mission, which mission belongs to us as well, if indeed we are his disciples. And Jesus says that uh, this mission that we must do, we must do it in, not in our own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. <sighs> we must do it in the Spirit's power if we would do a true work of God and nearly, not merely a work done out of the flesh. And Jesus continues, verse 23, and if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld, which is sort of a strange statement. This is the sort of thing that makes its way into books called things like difficult sayings or the hard sayings of Jesus. What does it mean? It appears to be related to the proclamation of the gospel and its effect on a person's life, who, th those persons who receive it. And then what happens also on the other side of it? 
Or what continues to be true for a person who, when they hear the gospel, they reject it. That is to say, when we present the good news of the gospel uh, to someone and that person receives it, the result, the promised result from God is the forgiveness of sins. Believe and you should be saved. Saved from what? Delivered from the power and penalty of sin. And when we proclaim to a person, well, you're forgiven. We're simply reminding them what God has promised them when they do such a thing. Indeed, in Acts chapter 10, the Apostle Peter talked a little bit about this. I think this was our text last Sunday, Easter Day. Peter said, and Jesus commanded us, his apostles, to to, to preach, to proclaim to the people and to testify to them that he's the one that God the Father has appointed judge of the living and the dead. And to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so when they believe, they're forgiven. And we remind them, well, you've believed (laughs) and you're forgiven. And so the power that we have is a power that really is rooted in the power of the gospel and God himself. On the flip side of that is is when we present the good news of the gospel to someone and that person rejects it. And the result is that guilt remains. And so when we proclaim to that person or share with that person that that forgiveness is still needed, we're simply reminding that person of a truth as God sees it. But now on to the main character, if you will, Thomas. In verse 24, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, in Greek they would have called him, his nickname would have been Didymus, which means twin. So Thomas, or Didymus as he was often called, was not with them when Jesus came in the evening on what we would refer to as that first Easter day. And so when they did see him, the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Now this is an interesting phrase and it's, the only difference is, is that it's a, a plural subject rather than a singular one. But I think it's verse 18 earlier on uh, in this same chapter of John 20. That's what Mary Magdalene said. She went to the disciples and she said, I have seen the Lord. And now they're saying what she said. And his response seems to be a little bit like theirs was when she said that. But now they've seen, so they believe. But Thomas, verse 25, Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, you can see this guy is completely demoralized. This is the same uh, Thomas, by the way, in chapter 11, when Jesus had gotten out of Judea because his life was being threatened and went into the Galilee and then Jesus was talking about coming back into Judea, the other disciples said, they were just trying to kill you there. Thomas said, let's go and die with him. (laughs) And now this is the same Thomas. But Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side. I will never believe in it. Ume in the Greek. It's just the strongest way you can, you can say, never, <laughs> never. I will never believe. And then eight days later, an octave, 
You know what an octave is? Eight days? From one day to the next, the same day the following week. So from Sunday to Sunday, if you count the days, it's not seven days. If you include the Sundays on either end, it's eight days. It's an octave. So eight days later, in other words, this happened the first Sunday. Now we're talking about the next Sunday. You, you know what we're talking about. We're talking about today. In fact, that's why this reading is always the gospel reading on this day. It's the Sunday after the first Easter day. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, just like had happened the week before. And Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Shalom, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, and Jesus is on a mission, he goes right for Thomas. He said to Thomas, here, I know what you said. <laughs> I know everything. You thought you were just talking to them. I know what you said. Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand into my side. You just see Jesus lifted. And there's the place where the Roman soldier, rather than breaking his legs because he saw that Jesus was dead, but just to make sure... He pierced him through his side and into the heart and out came the serum and the clot, which was, a, the, or as John describes it, blood and water, which was a post-mortem sign of the reality of his death. In fact, that's what the Roman soldier was looking for. And satisfied, he didn't poke him again. But he said to Thomas, put your finger here in my hands, Thomas, and put out your hand and place it in my side. It's interesting, in the text, it doesn't say that Thomas followed up on it. But it does indicate something rather interesting, and that is seemingly that these marks of Jesus' passion remain in his resurrection body. Verse 27, and then he said to Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. Verse 28, and Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. That's a pretty heavy statement. Nobody ever said that to Moses. Nobody said that to John the Baptist, my Lord and my God. But here, this bold declaration of a recognition of the, the deity of the Son of God. In fact, in many occasions, he said, even in the Gospel of John, in fact, the whole prologue is, is about the divine nature of Jesus, the Logos, who at the beginning of the creation of all created things was there. And he was with the God, with the Theos, with the Father, and is divine. And so Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Just as we have that in other places in the scripture, in Romans chapter 9 and verse 5, for instance, Paul writing to the Romans, he said, and to the Jews belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is a Jew who is God over all. <laughs> Blessed forever. Amen. Or Colossians 2 and verse 9, for in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. 
Or in Hebrews chapter 1 we read, And long ago at many times and in many places God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He created the worlds. That's something where, Scott, I'd like you, you're my servant, I'd like you to create the worlds. I said, well, I don't know if I can come up with that one, Lord. I'm part of the created order, Lord. Which the Son is not, except to the extent of His humanity, which He took on. But through Him the Father created the worlds. Verse 3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And so Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you've seen Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Thomas, you think you're blessed and all the rest of you. And you are. But perhaps even more blessed are those who have not seen. In fact, he doesn't call them blessed, but these people that he's describing here, he calls, deliberately calls them blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so the blessing is not so much in the seeing as it is in the believing. And according to Jesus, it, we needn't see to believe, nor do we need to see to be blessed. In fact, Peter writing to the community of believers to which he was writing, 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 8 said this about them, describing them to themselves. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Peter had seen him. He saw him before. He saw him after. Though you haven't, we've seen him, but though you haven't seen him, still you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. What an experience. It's not just in the seeing. It's in the believing. Interestingly enough, when Jesus was dying on the cross, his enemies challenged him to prove that he was the Son of God by coming down off the cross. If you're the Son of God, come down off the cross and we'll believe you. But Jesus did one even better when he died and rose from the dead. And the disciples saw him alive. And their witness has been handed down to us in the scriptures that we hold in our hand. I wonder, do you believe their witness? Or would you need to see it with your own eyes? The blessing that is ours, not because we've seen, but because we believe. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we serve a risen Lord. <laughs> Even as the Messiah speaks in the psalm, and thou would not abandon my soul to death or my body to the grave. 
And so all of these things, and Jesus saying to the apostles and sort of scolding them after, didn't you know that all of these things had to take place? The scriptures, they speak of me. And then he took them from one place to the next and said, there I am, there I am, there I am, there I am. I shall see my offspring and I shall be satisfied and I shall redeem many. Help us, Lord, to take hold of these truths. It's almost, it's a test. Will you trust me? Help us to trust you even as when we were small, we trusted our, our parents, our mother and our father. We didn't question. We just knew they loved us and that they would take care of us and see us safe. And so we hear Jesus say, unless you have the faith of a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, we're just going to trust you with the things around which we cannot wrap our own minds, but you understand from the end and the beginning all the details of, us, of it, and you just say, trust me, trust me, trust me, I love you. Help us to do that, Lord, and rejoice in the hope and the promises of resurrection life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.